Excellent. So hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome you all to a very special episode of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. We are live from the AFPM Summit in San Antonio, Texas. Today, we have two very special guests joining us. We have Mark Hudek, who's Director of Sustainability for the Refinery of the Future, and Keith Couch, Senior Director, Business Development and Integrated Projects. Both gentlemen are from Honeywell UOP. Now, we have a lot of stuff that we want to get to today, so let's go ahead and jump right in. Mark, Keith, welcome in. How are you gentlemen doing today? Very well, Lee. Thank you. Lee, thanks for having us. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, to start off with, uh, a lot of the content here at AFPM I've seen is aligned with the topic of sustainability, which, of course, includes the presentation that you delivered earlier today, Mark. Now, what is your perception of how refiners and producers are taking to these challenges? And, and as a follow-up to that question, is it possible that this is getting overdone, that we may risk, I guess, oversaturation and people tuning out? Well, you know, Lee, I don't think we cannot risk this being overdone. This is a crucial conversation that needs to continue to happen. There's just so much at stake for all of us, doing what is right for the environment. It's contingent on all of us to do our part and then some, which includes helping others to do their part. This, this needs to cross the full value or supply chain, not just what we're perceived as controlling. We, we need to do right by what is in our span of control, but also we need to be assisting those upstream and downstream in the supply chain to also do what's right. It, it's this type of proliferation and paying it forward that is going to be needed to achieve the goals and targets presented to us that we must aspire to. And I think refiners, petrochemical operators, natural gas producers worldwide are really committing to this. We're seeing examples of this. We, Honeywell UOP, are seeing examples of this in the inquiries that we receive. There's more and more in these inquiries bringing in ESG components, playing a larger role in the technology, the products, and the equipment that they want to select. But having said that, there are still signs that some are, are taking more of a wait-and-see approach before jumping in. And I think it's unfortunate as they risk putting themselves at a disadvantage with this late mover behavior. Uh, you mentioned I gave a presentation today and I started going through the different scope emissions and I, I brought about the fact of scope two emissions. You don't avoid counting emissions if you choose to purchase your, your utilities over the fence. And I saw looks from some in the audience of what are you talking about? <laughs> so it's, you know, I'm still surprised at how many are just still starting or haven't even started to understand the definition of these things and what they can control within their fence and where they need to make a positive in impact outside the fence line. So I appreciate the topic of sustainability is really large. And I've seen many choose not to start on their journey because they don't know where to start or that they're afraid that the, the effort is so large that they can't visualize the so-called result. And I wonder sometimes if, as engineers, we get ourselves paralyzed by not wanting to tackle the problem if the answer is not obvious or known. <laughs> well, that's and that's a great segue because sustainability can be so many things. It can be so broad of a topic, and there's so many different avenues to go. And like you mentioned it in your last, uh, your last answer is, so there's so many different pathways I can take for sustainability. So where should uh, operators, refiners, petrochemical producers, where should they start? I think, uh, I think those who are getting ready to start, don't try to feel like you have to do it all at once. Start small. Start from a place where you are comfortable. And this, I, I mean this on an individual level as well. If, if there is a particular process technology or equipment technology or fabrication or manufacturing process, 
that you're familiar with, that you're comfortable with, that's fine. Start there. But start by taking a step back and thinking, how can I accomplish the same or more by consuming less? Channel that inner engineer and problem solver to think a little differently. And do not be afraid if you have a couple of stops and starts as you try to work through things. There are so many tools and, and resources out there to help you on your journey. So many websites of information from those managed by government entities to nonprofit organizations to consulting firms. And these can be really valuable in helping you understand some of the vernacular and strategies. And talk to people. Talk to your colleagues, your customers, your suppliers. Talk to your family and friends. Talk to that neighbor that annoys you. Ask them <laughs> how they define sustainability and then listen. Just listen. Take it in. I'm not saying you have to adopt their mindset, but understand that you know, different people have different roles and they'll have different views, and these can be incredibly valuable and enlightening. Don't be afraid to ask an ignorant or silly question. So many of us are new to this journey, myself included. The only way we continue to get sharper or smarter is to engage in these conversations that educate us and then putting what we find to be valuable into practice. And again, pay it forward. Don't be preachy, don't be condescending, Lift your colleagues up when you have the chance. I've worked in this oil industry for 30 plus years, and I can assure you my first thoughts were, this too shall pass, or no way you teach this old dog new tricks. I was wrong, and I cannot tell you how fired up and excited I am to have this new mindset as it applies to the old conventional process technologies that shaped my career. Those technologies that so many consider dirty because all they know is what they see from outside the fence. There's so much opportunity, so much upside, and believe me, I'm far from an expert, but every day I try to learn just a little bit more, bits and pieces. Take things in small steps, but keep stepping forward. What's that old cliche? How does one eat an elephant? The answer, one bite at a time. That applies here. It's okay to go at this one bite at a time, but you have to take the first bite. Get started sooner rather than later. The small steps are just as important as the big ones, but probably easier to take. No, absolutely. And, and, and I want to get back to one thing that you mentioned there about the perception from those outside the fence. Uh, I'm kind of curious then, what can be or is being done inside the fence that can make a difference? You know, I, I, like, I like to joke that the technologies that I'm familiar with and that I get to play with are those old dinosauric technologies, the ones that go back to the 1940s like fluid catalytic cracking. Within my role, I get to work with a lot of great engineering and scientific minds on how to make all these offerings more sustainable, looking for ways to consume less and emit less while retaining or improving unit performance and profitability. Solutions exist throughout the refinery. They exist in the cat cracker, the hydrotreaters, hydrocrackers, napta complex, aromatics complex, olefins and detergents complexes. This includes process technology and design for sure, but it also includes catalyst and adsorbent advances, equipment advances data collection and its use to drive efficiency and reduce waste. And there's also process control. Something that really fascinates me are all those areas that are adjacent to this. Is what we are doing impacting things upstream and downstream of me? Is what we are doing meaning we can reduce the amount of structural steel, wind sail height, foundation, plot space, pipe runs? Can we reduce the size, weight, and frequency of all of that transportation required to move physical items from place to place before it gets to my gate? Again, maybe it's easy to think about this at first by what's inside the fence and focusing on your scope one emissions. But can we take that goodness and create more goodness and drive a positive change, not only in scope two emissions, but scope three emissions? It can be downright paralyzing as you start to think about these things. 
and each thought takes you one step further and further away still. And pretty soon you can feel like you don't have any real control for those things that are so far away from your ownership. Pretty soon you can find yourself with a to-do list that's as long as your arm. But that's okay. It, it, this is not for one person to solve. It's for all of us to solve together. But you have to start somewhere. So start your journey today. Talk, ask questions, enlist help. There's help out there to get you on your way to achieve your goals, no matter where you are in your journey. And don't be surprised if your goals today are different than your goals in five or ten years from now. Start making that progress and let momentum build for you. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Perfect, Mark. And I think here we're going to try to get Keith into the conversation here. Keith, I think this one is for you here. I have a question about we're starting to see a lot of refiners, uh, a discussion about refiners now pivoting from fuels into petrochemicals. So are you seeing this in the marketplace? I mean, are plans actually materializing and being acted on? They are. And it really gets into that conversation that, that Mark was talking to about different scope emissions. We hear a lot of things about net zero, um, but it's net zero and scope one and two emissions. Well, there's scope three emissions out there as well. And when people say, you know, I want to look at reducing my scope one and two, but I'm going to put off that scope three emission. <laughs> and that scope three emission is the gasoline, the diesel, the LPG, the fuels that we burn. One of the fundamental aspects of reducing scope emissions is those higher value products are the things that create a better, higher quality return on our investments. Further, remember that your scope three emissions is somebody else's scope one or two. Mm -hmm. So if, if you ignore that scope three emission piece and you focus only on one and two, there's somebody else in a different aspect of the industry that's working to put you out of business. So you have to address them all. Fundamentally, how can a refiner do that? We're coming up with tremendous technology applications for being able to move traditional refined fuel products into the petrochemical space. More efficiently, less capital, less equipment, less steel to get there. Uh, does it take a, a, a pivot or a mindset difference? Absolutely. When we talk about somebody moving out of scope three into petrochemicals production, think about the refiners that make propylene today. You know, 20 years ago, Reliance really led the efforts of moving into propylene generation off of FCC units. Mm -hmm. That's continued to build and, and, and grow. Um, a lot of refiners have been comfortable in that space. They took way too long, however, to figure out a lot of the, a lot of the market channel access and verticals. Think about that now as we move into aromatics. Um, one of the things that I think strikes fear into a lot of refiners is when I say benzene. <laughs> Well, the U.S. is importing 2.2 million tons per annum of benzene um, in a pre-COVID world. A lot of the things that we're doing to decarbonize other aspects of our industry, coke furnaces, reducing coal, reducing the burning of pet coke, using more natural gas, are all reducing the co-byproducts of, of benzene. Right? So there's going to be a growing need to create those molecules that are being driven short. There's plenty of opportunities for refiners out there. They have to figure out what markets they're going to be comfortable in and start making a direction into that area. Now, I met your Reliance earlier. Their stated objectives um, beyond all of the green hydrogen, all of the renewable stuff that they're refocusing on, they want to take their refineries upwards of the existing 15 16% net petrochemicals. Others are already in that 35 to 50% space complexes being designed right now 
are 100% net petrochemicals and even further, 100% net olefins production. It, it's happening. It's a reality. Uh, there's not enough projects to satisfy the growing petrochemical demand. So there's still plenty of space for other refiners to move into that direction. Hmm. Excellent. And that kind of then lends to my next question is because, I mean, UOP technology is all over the world and you work with customers all over the world in all these different markets. So with different levels of petrochemicals integration, do you notice any common problems with customers having to overcome? Absolutely. Um, when we talk about a refiner in the future, when we talk about changing or pivoting our operations, the first thing we got to do is we have to have a bankable project. Mm -hmm. If we can't secure the cash needed to develop the project, we have a failure to launch. Mm -hmm. we, we know that projects have to be flexible, often with petrochemicals, to achieve a higher margin and value uplift. And they got to be sustainable. Right. And that's mm -hmm. where we really drive for doing more with less, aligned with the ESG objectives. And that's where I really want to tie that sustainable piece to that bankable piece. We hear about digital. We hear about connected. And in a traditional refinery, we have fuels production. We add an olefins complex. We have a separate vice president that runs that business. We have aromatics production. We have yet a third vice president that runs that business. And then we install transfer price in between those three businesses so they can be treated, quote-unquote, fairly in their organizations. And as soon as we set up transfer pricing in the organization, we end up with inefficiencies that drive us to the wrong decisions and wrong behaviors. Mm -hmm. When we apply digital and connected solutions, if they're fragmented amongst those different business leaders, you get a fragmented answer. We right. have to learn how to get those inefficiencies out. We have to learn how to operate and use that data and information much more fluidly than we have in the past. Single number one failure where I see projects go awry is simply transfer pricing and not operating with the whole intent, a singular intent of creating more cash tomorrow than they enjoyed yesterday. Hmm. Excellent. And so kind of as a, as a follow-up, I kind of want to shift a little bit gears and talk a little bit about uh, natural gas. So, with the conflict that's, of course, going on uh, between Ukraine and, Russia, or Ukraine and Russia, this, of course, has seen the, con the region has seen a large regional increase in natural gas prices. So I'm curious, from your point of view, how has this changed the way that customers think about projects or their forward plans? Yeah, a lot more focus on hydrogen. When we uh -huh. talk about natural gas, um, use that as a proxy for the cost of, of hydrogen to be able to do things. Different feedstocks want to be different products. Uh, we can, as engineers, we could force them to be anything we want them to be. That doesn't mean that it's an efficient manner to get there. I can take propane, I can dehydrogenate it, oligomerize it, cyclize it. I can make it into BTX. Should I? <laughs> no, there's, there's much more efficient ways to get there. Um, understanding that we have different opportunities to get there. Effectively, we've seen China develop a, a, a powerhouse in aromatics production. Yet, when we talk about crude to olefins, story lands flat in China. Mm. And every time I have a conversation with a customer, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, we don't like the cost of hydrogen associated with making olefins. 
aromatics, more hydrogen efficient. They're harvesting that hydrogen amidst high natural gas prices to be able to use in chemical processing. <laughs> Suddenly when I go to the places like the Middle East or the US, where natural gas prices are really low, hydrogen prices are really low, suddenly we see olefins being premiered. Mm. Right, so we have certain feedstocks that want to be olefins, certain feedstocks that want to be aromatics, and some are just too expensive to move into those petrochemicals. They're the ones that we really want to use for fuels. Understanding how natural gas prices affect our technology decisions, they understand the markets that we're playing, is very important to selecting the right technologies. When we look at what's going on in Europe, um, $79 a million BTU fuel gas at one point, it's come off of that high. Uh, that equates to $450 a barrel oil if I just look at the fuel value. Wow. That sends us looking for opportunities in, in places like Europe where on average, as we, as we do a survey across the industry, we find many customers with 30 to 50% mole percent hydrogen in their fuel gas that they're producing through processes, solution losses through hydrocrackers and hydrotreaters, the number one source, and letting it go to the fuel header because, you know, isn't that green? We should just burn hydrogen. That's the gray hydrogen. Mm -hmm. That's the hydrogen we want to capture and put back into the process units. So if I'm a European refiner and I'm sitting in a high natural gas cost, should I be letting that hydrogen go off? It's a simple refinery PSA unit mm -hmm. to recover the hydrogen that I've already made. All right, so natural gas pricing is certainly going to be talked about as we go through the winter. Um, it's going to be higher in the future than it has in the past. A lot of infrastructure being built to be able to, to regain a sense of energy security of supply. Um, but that also as refiners, that cost passed on to us with cost of hydrogen is changing how we think about the sources of hydrogen, the uses of hydrogen, whether we reject carbon from feedstocks or whether we add hydrogen for higher value uplift. No, it's, it's definitely it's a very, very interesting dynamic. Um, like I said, I could probably talk to y'all hours about this kind of stuff. But I know you guys are busy. Before we end the conversation today, I'm kind of curious, you know, where can listeners go after this to find out more information about Honeywell UOP? Yeah, so I think the, the easiest way is, to, you know, Honeywell.com. But certainly if, uh, if you have familiarity with Honeywell, with UOP, reach out to your account manager, your service, your service representative. Um, should be any, any means to get, uh, to get into contact with us. Excellent. Well, listen, Mark, Keith, really can't thank you all enough. I know how busy you guys are. Uh, thank you. I want to take a, a couple couple minutes to, talk, to chat with us, so we really appreciate it. And we really want to thank all of the listeners for listening to the special installment of the Main Column podcast here live at AFPM Summit 2022. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee.